Welcome everyone. Good to see all of your faces and scrolling through to make sure I can catch a glimpse of each square. It's a lovely practice just to go through and look at all of the faces and make sure you look at each square. Not just a general glance, but to actually look. <clears throat> So I'll invite the bell for our a bit of sitting. So please uh, take this brief amount of time just to to sit fully as you can. Even in these very brief times of sitting, just five minutes, it's always worth offering yourself the most essential kind of zazen instruction every time. As if you're offering zazen instruction to your dearest friend who you wish to sit fully and wholeheartedly. Suggesting that they arrange their themselves and their body in a stable, comfortable, upright posture. There's nothing else. They allow their belly to be soft and their back to be strong. Not tense. They feel the strength of their spine and the softness of the front of their body. <clears throat> Just breathing. Allowing the world to come to you As you simply sit and touch what is at the center of <clears throat> all that happens on its own. <clears throat>
just before I ring the bell, you might notice if you let your eyes open gently that there are all these people all over the world sitting with you and for you, breathing with you. There's this one large connected body of breath. And that's a lovely sight. <laughs> Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. As some of you know, because some of you were there, we just completed um, a retreat sponsored by the uh, Just This family of sanghas in, um, in the UK. And I want to, as I often do, share just a bit uh, an inquiry from the the previous retreat. It's a nice way to bridge. I, I like weaving together in this way. But I wanted to say a couple of things before I offered a sample because it, it speaks to the a, a larger question about inquiry. Every every time we meet an inquiry, basically we're asking the same question. <laughs> which is, why do we practice? What, what is this? What, what, what are we up to? Some version of what is our practice about? Why do we practice? And every answer, every response that comes from that question eventually actually points us in the same direction. That at the Part of things we want to soften our barriers to love. Why do we practice? To connect us to the heart of the world. And every reflection I offer isn't really, uh, these reflections aren't really Dharma talks in a way, as much as an invitation for us all to walk together to the edge of yourself, 
to walk together to the edge of yourself. And this, I don't think this is a kind of an edge that's full of um, fear or instability. It's not exactly like coming to the rim of the Grand Canyon or something like that, although it may feel that way at times. But the part that does match that is that it's an edge full of wonder. And then deepening and shaping our questions together, which lead us further into the territory, which is much more free of our constructed barriers to life. And at this edge, the conversation changes and our perspective shifts so that the heart you know tips a bit more gently open and the mind no longer holds itself so firmly in its repetitive self-identified shape and in these these small invitations in the beginning i always hope to offer an invitation really to peek beyond the usual surfaces on which we live in order to discover that there is another world, but not the way we think of it. That the other world is actually not any, not other than this world. But we live in such a way that we don't actually fully appreciate or live in this world. So it seems like another world, a world more free of the kind of virtual reality that our mind constructs constantly and more full of ease and joy in our bodies and our relationships, full of care for each other and for ourselves and for the world. So I just wanted to say a little about, kind of remind us of what the, the primary question is, why do we practice and what, what are we doing? And all of our questions eventually end, how do we soften our barriers to, to love and to our life? And how do we walk together to the edge of, of ourselves? I asked that question when we began the UK retreat in a, in a kind of a unique way that, that turned out to be beautiful. Um, I asked that each day when I gave a Dharma talk that one of the other um, senior students, uh, in this case, all of whom who had been head student, would the next day begin the Dharma talk with a small talk of their own, reflecting on what I was had taught the day before. And then I would give the next talk and someone else would do a reflection the next day. So it was a lovely conversation and it invited um, some of the senior folks to teach a bit and offer themselves, offer their heart. And in, in the invitation that I gave them, I, I wrote out some questions I thought might be useful to, to guide what they were going to do. And then I realized um, after Trudy had given her response that these were actually useful questions for inquiry in general. So I'll just repeat them. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with it, but um, I asked uh, Josh and Catherine and Trudy to all give um, 
responses to my talks over the four days and to Josh to lead us off the first day. And I said I was interested in a few things primarily. Number one, if the entire group had not heard the Dharma talk from the previous day, what would you want them to know or understand about that talk? If someone missed something really important or essential, what would you want them to know? Secondly, um, it, well, this isn't just this, I didn't want people to give a summary of what really mattered if, if people had missed it. And secondly, what was aroused in you when you listened? How was the Dharma stirred? Or what aspect of the teachings highlighted something from your own practice experience? What practice edge did you meet? How did you walk to your edge of yourself? And thirdly, what was called up in you? And what are you calling forward in the participants if you speak? Now, these are a little more complex invitations or questions for people who are doing some teaching, but basically it said, if you care about your buddies, what do you want them not to miss? And how do you invite them by sharing what opens in you? And what are you hoping for them most deeply? These are good questions for our inquiry and what it's like to step forward, really, when you raise your hand or when I call on you. In a way, this was my calling on um, the students because after I gave a talk, they had just the 24 hours to prepare what they were going to say instead of their usual fretting for weeks over giving a Dharma talk. They had to respond rather quickly. So they got a, a small taste of that. The theme of the retreat was um, came forward because we had listened to a recorded talk online by Mel Weitzman, Sojin Roshi from the Berkeley Zen Center, who passed away in January. Um, at age 92, he was one of the oldest disciples and first disciples of uh, Suzuki Roshi. It was, a, it was a passing of a great being. And his last Dharma talk, which he gave, I believe, last September of 2020, focused on the six quality, qualitative factors of wholesome consciousness. It's, a, it's an old part of the Abhidharma. The interesting thing to speak about, as you know that uh, you likely have months to live. And he offered a, a koan, too, uh, that he spoke about. I'm not going to go into all of the these teachings, because um, I want to go to the heart of them, but the six qualities, so you know, are tranquility, or maybe you'd say serenity. These are six qualities of wholesome consciousness. Tranquility or serenity. Um, agility, which is kind of an energy, a lightness of body and mind. Uh, pliancy or flexibility. Uh, workability, which is a kind of a way of speaking about the middle way, where things are not too tight and not too loose. You're in the the space of workability. Um, number five was proficiency, this inspiration and aspiration to do well. And number six, uprightness, an uprightness of body and mind, which is an expression of sincerity. There are qualities of wholesome consciousness, tranquility, agility, pliancy, workability, proficiency, uprightness. 
And all of these things shine through. You see them all the time. Uh, when we meet at inquiry, when things open, they're qualities that you find in this territory that we walk together in as we walk to the edge of ourselves. And you can see them in a person's life and the way they take care of things and the way they treat themselves and other people. So I, I want to give you a small taste, not only of some of what the students were offering, but something even deeper than that, a full expression of what it means to walk to the edge of yourself where the conversation changes. And in wonder, you can step through to this other world, which is just this world seen differently. And so I'm going to actually play just a little more than two and a half minutes. That's all. From the audio of Josh's first talk, he led um, off an introduction. And um, I, I think you will you'll get a feeling, not only for some of what we experienced in the retreat, but <clears throat> what, some of what it was like to uh, experience these teachings. I could equally play segments um, from Trudy and Catherine's talk, but th this one goes to the heart of what, what we're talking about today. So let me cue that up for you. A number of years ago, I was in the uh, Rijksmuseum in uh, Amsterdam, and I wanted to see uh, the Jewish Bride by, by Rembrandt. And I thought I would buy uh, an audio guide. And I was a bit concerned that it might be rather technical and intellectual. So I turned it on and the first line was, can you believe what you are seeing here? Can you believe what you are seeing here? And that was completely arresting to me because the person offering the, the teaching completely opened me up to the intimacy of the painting. And I'm sure that from time to time in your life, you have that feeling, that question, can you believe what you are seeing here? something that opens you up to a wonder you didn't know was there. And on that day, it did. And I just couldn't believe how the uh, painting to me came alive and the intimacy of my relationship with the painting also uh, came alive. And I remember particularly the hands that I would have just looked at the hands and moved on. But the actual um, loving account of the hands was just really, really touching. And then sometimes when I go to Edinburgh, I visit the uh, Rembrandt uh, late portrait, the 1657 late portrait 
and it's in the um, National Gallery of Scotland. And I go into the gallery and I walk through many, many paintings and there it is in the corner, kind of waiting for me, like somebody you'd meet at a station or an airport. And there's an intimacy uh, and an integrity about uh, Rembrandt's late self-portraits. There's a kind of, here I am, this is me. Katagiri Excuse me one moment, I'm going to take that away. Because I am not in the room with all of you, I'm not sure how that has landed, but I can only imagine from my own experience that it's quite, um, quite potent. It does, it does for me, Josh's words do for me what he said the paintings did for him. Even just that line, can you believe what you are seeing here? What was unexpected and, uh, and arresting, being open to the intimacy of the, the moment through the painting. Our problem is that often we do believe what we think about what we're seeing instead of believing what we're seeing. We don't actually see. Can you believe what you're seeing here? And then in the the self-portrait, if you haven't seen it, it's a, it's a lovely because Rembrandt in the self-portrait is turning a bit to the side, as he said, as if he's waiting in the corner there, saying, here I am, this is, this is me. I now fully avow, we say in our confession or repentance chant, this is who I am. Can you believe what you're seeing? Often when we end inquiry, I'll think something like that. I, I can hardly believe what I've seen and heard. As each person says, this is me, here I am. Why, why are we practicing deeply? How do we soften the barriers to love and life? In that final talk by Sojin Roshi, he said, selfless practice, and by that, I would think he was speaking about what I'm talking about, how together we walk to the edge of ourself. He says, selfless practice is to give yourself over to yourself rather than continually trying to be yourself. To give yourself over to yourself rather than trying to be yourself. And it's something that participants in the retreat repeated over and over again because it stayed with them. And I think this is the direction in which our zazen practice and inquiry are always pointing us. Can we give ourselves over to ourselves, give ourselves back to ourselves, rather than always trying to be ourselves? And in doing so, maybe we meet that same sense of, can you believe what you're seeing here?
here I am. This is me. So I want to <clears throat> just offer a time now where we can continue this practice together. Um, maybe I will just call on uh, one person to begin, uh, but please raise your hand and, and come forward. Um, I noticed earlier, um, Jessica and John Eric were here together. Is that right? If so, raise your hand. Hi. Hello. So I was just curious of your, what, what was arising in you as you listened to Josh's words and listened to these, these teachings from Sojin. Yes, I had, I had a beautiful experience this morning, um, right after my workout where I felt, and I think that this is largely because practicing Hakomi, um, and just that orientation of seeing everyone as an inspiration. Mm-hmm. And I felt this through the access of just listening to a song on the way home. I felt that everyone is an inspiration really all at once. And it really uh, resonates with what you're saying and what Josh said about the Can you believe what you're seeing here? Yeah. Yeah. The whole world arriving in that way. Thank you. It's good to see your smile, Mm. your voice. (laughs) Thanks for coming forward. Jessica has helped us for so long, too, with these inquiries. Other people, please raise your hand and come forward with your your, your questions, your uh, what's opening, how you want to walk uh, with us together to the edge of yourself. You're muted also. There you go. Thank you. Hi, Flint. Um, so um, can you believe what you're seeing? So um, today when we were sitting, well, before we were sitting, I was again looking at everybody's name. And now I, I've seen a lot of the faces more because of the U- UK experience, but just looking at faces and the names. And um, like the other time that this happened, I thought of the quilt of all of our little rectangles. And then today, um, I thought of the robe, that the robe is the quilt. Yeah. And um, maybe there's nobody in the robe, but with a robe, with all these, this quilt. That's the actuality of it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really felt that way. And then the idea, you know, sometimes the the rectangles move around, which is nice too, you know, Mm -hmm. because sometimes you're next to this person or next to that person. And, the other thing that was happening while we were sitting was that um, I the thought get out of the way came to me. Mm-hmm. And um, then the next thought was when you get out of the way, it's not scary. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad thing. You know, you, the, a bad thing isn't coming if you get out of the way. And something that happened at the um, 
many things happened with me in the retreat, but um, an ordinary thing with Josh happened where after the first day, he told us, you know, um, even when Flint is speaking, you're still in the Zendo, so no, no coffee and, you know, no drinking and no eating. I go, oh, you know, um, okay. I, so that's taken from me. Um, and then I think the next day or the day after, because, you know, no writing, no writing and no reading. And I go, oh, you know, so my props were taken. And um, today, is the, in, in a year of attending inquiries, it's the first day I do not have a notebook and a pen in front of me. So again, it was kind of exposing to just be here, just, just me and the beautiful quilt. So I was going to say, what's, you, you noted what was, quote, taken away. What was given? Well, um, what was given was, well, initially was um, a little uh, insecurity about just the intimacy, you know, and and then what was given was exactly that and um, mm -hmm. connection, connection, yeah. That's right. Yeah, the intimacy under the robe. You know, when I, the rakasu that I was wearing during the teachings of the retreat was one that was made for me from Dharma Entrustment. And it was made by the Sangha and all of the small patchwork squares. Each one is made from a piece of fabric donated by a person within the Sangha. So it was part of someone's robe, part of someone's uh, sitting cushion, part of someone's napkin from the Oriyoki. And so it literally is the patchwork robe that the early monks would wear, but it's all part of the Sangha. Now we see it in this way, so I'm glad you mentioned it in that way. Thank another, you. Another way to think about what you're asking, because it's so important, or, or commenting on really, is who are we when all of our stories fall away? Exactly. And you're no longer constructing yourself around the narratives, what's there. And it's you're going to get more about intimacy, intimacy. Yeah, and, and thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Hello. Hello. I guess you can hear me, right? Yes, there you are in your artist studio after hearing about these paintings. I know. <laughs> well, uh, I just had to say that uh, Josh's reflection on the painting was just so moving and beautiful. And um, he just voiced what art gives us, which is generosity. And because um, each painting is a generous offer. and. So that's what I've spent my lots of my career doing is uh, trying to help students and um, anyone who wants to learn to look. And that the secret is the really deep looking, like you say, to enter another world. And if we just take time to look deeply, which we don't do, like he said, uh, if he, he would have just walked by and not really studied the details, but when he did, they unfolded the beautiful wonder of the painting and the world. Mm -hmm. And another thing that art can do is it erases the labels um, on the boundaries that we create because, um, you know, a lot of people are, I'm sorry, there's construction in my studio, so all these noise goes off. I, 
But anyway, um, it, it erases the labels. Like, in other words, if you say, oh, this is a spiritual practice, some people may not want to hear that and back away. But if you just say it's deep looking, mm -hmm. it is your spiritual practice, but you don't have to put labels on it. That's an example of the story of the labels falling away. And all that remains is the immediacy of the moment, which is what we're doing in inquiry. I know you've been, you've done, everybody has done this. You go to a, a large museum and it's overwhelming because there's so much. It's like a flood of, of stuff. So to actually sit in front of one painting and take the time to actually look deeply. But that's also what Jessica was talking about in her experience this morning, to actually see people. Then everything becomes a wonder. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Judy next. Oh, you had a review this morning. Yeah. A review, sorry. Oh, you had a review this morning of the retreat that you were just in. Oh yeah, we did have it. We had a little meeting and a bit of a review, yeah. Yeah, we've had some really lovely feedback from people. And I gave you a review, something you've already heard. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was lovely to hear it again, actually, Josh's words, because when he was actually delivering that talk, I was the tech host, so I wasn't as present as I might otherwise have been. So it was really nice to be able to fully concentrate on it. So having just come from the, the retreat and having that experience that you get more intensely on retreat that you described as going to your edge or mm -hmm. walking to your edge. Um, it's made me reflect on my current relationship with my father. Um, yeah, he's not the man that you you met. You know, he's um, he's got a broken heart. He's ninety two. He's um, getting dementia, and this is the dementia's sort of come on quite quickly and. Um, He's very quiet and vulnerable, and it feels a bit like being with a four-year-old, but a you know a more a subdued and sad four-year-old. How, how long um, has it been since your mom has passed? October she passed. Just just this past October. Yeah. So and it's long, it's very long, raw. How long since your brother died? Uh, that was 2013, so eight years. But he's had significant losses. He has, and him and my mum were together for over 70 years. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, I don't think life's, you know, he's lost his spark. He's always had a real spark, oh, you yes. know, I and the sparks. Yeah. The spark's gone. And um, I go to visit him once a week. And what happens when I'm with him, so he's quite quiet, we eat lunch together, there's not loads of conversation, 
but we sit and we look at the birds out of the window and I seem to spontaneously go into a similar place I was in when I sat with my mum when she was dying which is just a really really present place and it just happens and it's quite hard to be in because my heart feels like it's breaking because he's so vulnerable and I've never loved him more, you know, but it's it's a kind of heartbreaking feeling. It's um, painful and love at the same time, you know. So, but to see him the way he is, 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 is hard. And I feel incredibly protective of him and heartbroken for him. So that's quite interesting that that sort of state happens. You know, often we try to protect ourselves from those deep feelings. But what I've just realized is that when I'm, traveling to him and when I'm leaving I um, shut off from it so in the sense that as I'm driving towards him I don't anticipate the heartbreak that I'm going to feel I just get on with it I just travel there and and there's something that's a resilience about that there's something that really helps me in that but it's not it's not being completely present to everything that's going on if you see what i mean so i'm just sort of curious actually it is you know you you know the teachings when you're when you're you know peeling the carrot just peel the carrot when you're cutting the potatoes just cut the potatoes when you're driving just drive i just drive i do there's no reason to create some sort of narrative you're not actually with him oh yeah (laughs) and actually and when you when you're with him, your practice leads you directly to the heart of the matter. It's appropriate that your heart is breaking. Why, why would it not? Now you can create other narratives on top of that. Is how terrible it is, or what? Just, but it doesn't sound like you do that. You're just with him. Yeah. And you settle into all those qualities, which feel like heartbreak, which is the appropriate response. And then when you leave, you turn to the next thing. The, yeah. depth, the depth of your love isn't measured by carrying it with you. Some of it's there. The, you're, you're, you're changed. Yeah. You're, you're like the clay or the gold. You're changed by that interaction. And that's how we all are with each other. But it yeah. sounds like you're just walking with him as he mm-hmm. makes this... Uh, shockingly steep descent Mm. after your mom is gone and it sounds like that your practice is really serving you well it does feel that way yeah and as i say it was the same as when i was sat with my mom when she was dying i just felt so present and it was such a gift and it's serving them yeah and that's how that's what our practice is for eventually expresses itself in service mm-hmm. we walk to the edge of ourselves give ourselves back to ourselves stop trying to be someone and meet what's in front of us yeah that's really helpful i suppose just briefly um part of the reason for the sort of curiosity about it is because um i as you know, I'm quite, I'm quite naturally quite an optimistic person. And, and I, I've had a couple of big losses in the last year, as you know. And um, 
I keep being a bit suspicious of myself because I'm kind of like, oh, I'm all right. I'm all right. Do you know what I mean? And I know there is a bit of distraction in that or there is a bit of not wanting to go there, but it's also a massive resource. So that's kind of what I've been playing around with, you know. And I think I also, sorry. No, you're you're touching an edge, which is really important to name. Uh, And Mm -hmm. it's similar to what we've been discussing already. As you practice more and more deeply, This, this will be a little exaggeration, but as things come, the response is like, oh, now this. It's not that you don't have feelings. Of course you do. Yes. And yes. you might be frightened. You might be angered. You might be sad. But mostly, even as those feelings move, you, you feel okay. Yes. And, yes. And it's a strange yes. to be completely okay even when you feel things strongly, because that's not something that most people experience. And it's a little disquieting and people will wonder if they're like, you've become deadened or hardened or something, but it's not, it's not the case unless it is. And there are times when you realize, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm really just hiding and I'm shutting down, but your awareness yeah. impact helps you know that. Definitely. I mean, I, there's definitely times where I know I'm, doing that avoiding distracting thing but yeah I think you're right I think part of the reason I've been a bit suspicious of myself is because of the people are like oh you must be feeling terrible with these losses you know and I'm a bit like I'm all right actually (laughs) at that moment you have become the wall in Zazen what you hear are their projections Mm. that's what they would feel yeah that's helpful and thank, thank you for you. bringing this because it's very helpful to others to hear what you're you're asking about. And um, give my love to your dad. I will. I'll see him tomorrow. I'm so glad that I got to spend that journey with them from the Lake District back to to Manchester and to see their home. And they were so gracious to me at a time when they were still fully present and beautiful. You know, so that's mm. how I hold them. Yeah, I'm glad you had that experience. Thank you, Flint. Have Ra next. Hi, Ra. Hello, Flint. Hello. I'm really just coming forward to offer myself. I could feel your, the pause is really a taking the time to look as we've been talking about and to be mm. present. Yeah. Um, I was on the retreat mm-hmm. um, and I feel so grateful for that opportunity, both to you um, and to everyone else involved. It was a beautiful uh, tapestry. We spoke about a quilt earlier, but it was, I was really inspired by the way things wove together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, what I'm so struck by with this Sangha is, um, is the coming together, yeah. mm-hmm. is the intimacy of supporting one another. 
even in this time of uh, relative separation. Mm. It's, it's really a marvel, isn't it? It really is. And one of the most striking things was seeing this screen of people sitting mm -hmm. together. Yeah. And um, it's interesting you kind of naming tonight, like coming to our edge, because my experience was that I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Yes. <laughs> All these people like coming to a kind of pause and sitting there and it felt like at this edge mm -hmm. in the stillness and the quiet together mm -hmm. and it felt like a real marvel it is in this day and time mm. for people to be together in that way is truly a marvel yeah it really had that quality for me of like still like in this world still <laughs> um, this, is, this is possible yeah I know. and curiously if you don't mind i'm going to take a second to share something this is the the painting mm -hmm. so now look at the profound stillness and of course the hands But it does reflect that same feeling, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I even touch myself there when I say it. Yeah. But it's not, it's an artistic representation of what we're doing right now. Mm. As we give ourselves back to ourselves instead of trying to be ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for your participation in the retreat and also for coming forward today. Oh, thank you so much. Is there anything remaining that you want to say or ask? There was something and I've lost it in this moment. Take take a moment. Yeah. Okay. Mm. We did um I'm gonna put my glasses on so I can see you well. Mm -hmm. We did um a practice that uh, Trudy introduced where we looked at ourselves on screen for 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. We sat with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And um, I was really um, shocked by what I saw as a transparency to myself. I saw myself like I sometimes sense other people. Mm -hmm. And I was doing like a Hakomi blinking mm -hmm. at myself. And I, it was like I saw the barriers to mm -hmm. love. Yes. And I saw this immense sadness and disappointment that separates me. Um, and I, I caught myself like to not get attached to that perception as well. Right. And what helped was looking at this whole screen of people sitting with themselves. Mm 
giving yourself back to yourself absolutely Mm -hmm. and that i can't give myself back to myself on my own excellent thank you for saying that that's (laughs) that's the key isn't it and i can't soften the barriers to give myself back to myself on my own i do that through the intimacy of waking up to other people and sharing that exactly thank you for your teaching that's wonderful thank you Flint mm-hmm. and we thank Trudy for that absolutely to walk to the edge of yourself <laughs> absolutely mm-hmm. and Josh for can you believe what you're seeing yeah that was in the first five minutes of the retreat and it was all taken care of <laughs> yeah 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 thank you Rob thank you there you go hi Flint Um, so I have been thinking about and you really brought it to mind the last two nights I've had three Dharma talks or I would even call them demonstrations Uh, on Netflix and I'm watching a program that's a documentary called True Love. I don't know if you've seen it, but I'm thinking about what Judy brought forward. Um, I've watched three of these episodes and they are about couples who have been married like 50 years, 60 years. Mm -hmm. And it shows how they are with each other. Right. Have you seen it? We have. Uh Okay. And um, at 41 coming up years, Aaron and I thought mm -hmm. we'd watch it and see. Yeah, it's I I had uh, my daughter pointed me to it and I didn't watch it for a long time Mm -hmm. because I thought, well, I didn't know it was about 60 year old couples, but it, it is so amazing to see how they are so kind to each other, so respectful to each other and intimate, which, as you know, has been kind of this thing that I've been really trying to understand and come to the edge of myself and be with. But I was, it represented a longing in me, but it also represented, oh, this is how people can really be with each other, even after they've looked at that painting a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. they go further in, they go further in, and there's a lightness of being, there's a humor, there's, um, you know, those six qualitative factors I listed, right? Your descriptions. Yes. And Mm -hmm. so that, that's really, um, just in, in me so deeply, it's a real edge of myself when you, I mean, you've brought me there many times, but I really think about what Judy brought forward about my two parents dying very close together. And I didn't have, I sat with them, but I didn't have the intimacy that we have now. This was back in 91 and 92. And anyway, this is still resonating in me quite strongly is what I saw them being with each other. Will you say the name of the series again so people can? It's called True Love and it's on Netflix of all things. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of an amazing 
way of looking at couples that still love each other, who work together, uh, who take care of each other in extraordinary but simple ways. And they've developed that in the form we call marriage. Yes. Is this not true love? Yes. And they have a sangha around them called community and family. (laughs) So I just thought this is what we've been doing at Appamata. And this is such an an amazing look into that life and that intimacy. So I wanted to bring that forward. Thank Thank you. you very much. So good to see you. Hi, Mary. Hi, Flynn. I didn't think I'd get to come up. I only put my hand up just now. I was um, very um, struck by what you said to Judy uh, about being all right, Uh, because it is one of the things that's puzzled me um, while I've been going through bereavement that that I've been I it, I've been all right even if you have strong feelings you're, you're okay yes yes I've been sad yeah. and lonely and all sorts of things and all right yeah most people equate all right with not being full of feeling like they're mm-hmm. settled but there's an all rightness in the midst of the appropriate grief and whatever is moving. Yeah. And I have been, I have felt odd about it, but it really helped what you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'll am i be traveling to be with my mom and my sister next week. I'll be going to the mainland United States for the first time in a year and a half. And the first time since my father's died. And uh, so, I felt my various bits of grief, but not overwhelming. But I could feel something rising as I moved toward going home. And it's not uh, as in a manufactured narrative like Judy was talking about. It's more, uh, I can feel the proximity. You know, and and I'm okay. It's not frightening. It's just full. Yeah. Very full. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And no doubt when you arrive there you will feel things something will be open i'll be open to the mystery and and in the relationship with them meeting them like we're meeting that's where it where it's real thank you mary have Jim next. Okay. We have a, a, a short time, but hopefully we'll get to connect. Hey, Jim. Can you, you hear me okay? Oh, okay? It helps if I turn on my mic, maybe. There you go. Now we can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Um, when I let myself be on more on the edge and be present, you know, there's this kind of experience of, can I believe what I'm hearing myself say? Mm-hmm. I, uh, 
I, I know I'm speaking, but I don't know what I'm going to say next. I don't, I haven't, I'm not giving a prepared thing. And sometimes I find myself saying things that I'm kind of like proud of later, but it doesn't seem like me saying them. It's a strange sensation, isn't it? It's a, yeah, it is. Yeah, to and find it's a place that I uh, want to inhabit. Yeah, to let yourself get to know yourself in a way that is not quite so self-conscious. And uh, it's, it's amazing how we're so rehearsed. Uh, but when there's something more intimate, uh, something a little more spontaneous, uh, we find the one who's been waiting for us in there, it seems like almost. Uh, it's, Thank you. That's a nice way to put it's it. curious because... Um, here's the other, the portrait. Mm. It's like you meet the one who's been waiting there in the corner. And we find ourselves, what uh, we're talking about looking on the screen at ourselves is one of the beauties of Zoom which is also one of the things that makes people anxious that they see themselves. We're in a group and you see everybody else, but you show up too. And I think it's useful. We get to give ourselves back to ourselves in that way. And uh, as Elliot said, you know, come back to where we started, find ourselves, but there's something new about it, something fresh, if we let it, if we let it be. Thanks for coming forward. We're gonna have to say goodbye for today. Maybe we can talk again. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And in the spirit of our uh, the, the teachings and inquiry today, um, really listen to the words as you say them. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way, caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way, caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. In Appamada's programs and facilities are supported through your generosity. Your support really does make a huge difference. And there is a link for contributions on the website at appamada.org forward slash contribute. And there you'll find an opportunity to contribute to teachers such as Flint or Peg and others, and also to contribute towards classes and practice discussions and, and other opportunities as well. So thank you everybody for, um, for coming today. Um, and we now move on to um, the next part 
of our evening, which is an opportunity to continue to meet and share about anything that might have come up for you during inquiry, anything else at all, and just to connect and meet. Um, so we'll do that. That's right here on the virtual porch, so you can just stay where you are. And uh, if you'd like to have a two-minute break to stretch your legs or get a drink, please do, and I'll see you back here. Thank you so much, everybody. And good evening, good morning, and good afternoon. <laughs>